checking in with Mike Williams from the LA Chargers, and you're tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, Aura, AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, the preseason for the Los Angeles Chargers is officially in the books. And as we are sitting here, as it currently stands at 2.46 p.m., <laughs> basically this is the hard part of the preseason as we are literally within 24 to 36 hours of the final cut down for the chargers to get their 53 man roster trimmed down. Obviously a lot, lot of questions as we go into these final roster cuts, as far as who's going to make the final 53, who the chargers could possibly end up getting on their practice squad. And so we're going to give you all the updates as it relates to what has currently transpired. Obviously if anything breaks live, we will, share with you that news. Uh, there could be some things by the time that you're watching this that take place after the fact. So just keep the time frame in mind. But in addition to that, for some of the roster spots that are up in question, Dan had a great idea that he wanted to basically make a case for certain positions, i.e. the wide receiver six positions, certain interior to defensive lineman positions, as far as to make a case between one or two players as far as why they basically have a good reason to possibly make these final 53 cuts. So we thought this would be a good exercise to do, given the fact that the final cuts are coming tomorrow. Uh, before we jump into everything, obviously, Dan Wolgenstein, how are you? I know you had a great birthday weekend, by the way. Uh, Dan spent it also doing his fantasy football draft. So hopefully, actually, what am I saying? Hopefully, I actually got the chance to see Dan's draft. Some risky Wait. moves, but, but they could pay dividends. Yes, I was in Tahoe for uh, a guy's trip as well as birthday weekend. Had a ton of fun. Uh, slayed the fantasy draft. Uh, Chargers players making uh, some guest appearances on there. Got Keenan Allen. Got Mike. No, not Mike Williams. Got Justin Herbert. Jailed Everett on there as well. Josh Palmer, just in case. Uh, but yes, great weekend. Excited for this episode. You mentioned all the roster kind of options the Chargers have. Uh, also kind of just go through put a bow on preseason and kind of what this preseason looked like for the chargers this year. Uh, and some things to be excited and hang your hats on in terms of trends that we're seeing. Uh, but I'm great, Jake. Uh, happy Monday to you. Uh, very fun episode. So let's get into it. Uh, but before we do that, Jake, I was gone for the weekend and I did not drink as much water as I did other libations. And one of the things that kept me alive was our friends over at AG one who supply us with a generous amount of AG1. Uh, all the vitamins and minerals that I'm able to get, four ice cubes. Didn't have my daughter with me to help with ice cubes, but four ice cubes, one of the packets of AG1. And it's kind of like Pedialyte, the effects of it, uh, but better. Jake, let's talk about our friends over at AG1. Well, again, I want to remind everybody that if you're like me or in certain circumstances like Dan, where you have... The weekend's where you just kind of need to let loose a little bit, and you want to come back and not hit fully hit the reset button, but when it comes to trying to keep up with all your essential vitamins and minerals, AG1 definitely is the product for that. Uh, for myself, I try to keep myself in the best shape possible, but I will admit that my eating habits are definitely not the best, so when it comes to consuming the vegetables... I'm not usually that person, but AG1 is the good replacement for that. So if you are looking for a comprehensive solution from what you need from uh, your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go on over to drinkag1.com backslash LAFB. That's drinkag1.com backslash LAFB and check it out. Trust me, you won't regret it. So, Jake, let's get into what we currently know. Then we'll get into some of the preseason wrap-up, put a bow on it with some stats and trends that we're seeing, and then go into the discussion about uh, remaining kind of bigger spots to fill uh, and decisions that the team has to make. As of now, these are names that have been sourced to have uh, been true. Again, these are not news from us, but news that we've seen from other uh, beat reporters uh, nationally, locally. So far, the folks that have been released by the Chargers unofficially 
until I see something from the team, I'm treating all of this as unofficial. But Tay Crowder, Carlo Kemp, Nicholas Melsap, Matt Kasky, Andrew Trainer, Keeman Hall, Cam Brown, which was a surprise to some, Larry Roundtree the third, which you heard about earlier, and then the latest was tight end Hunter Campmoyer. So I think the biggest names on here probably are Carlo Kemp, Tate Crowder, uh, Camp Moyer, and Cam Brown would be the names that I think were the toughest to see so far. Probably Cam Brown and Carlo Kemp, in my opinion. Any surprises so far? It's not so much surprises, Dan. I mean, they, it, it's unfortunate regardless, especially for guys like Carlo Kemp and Cam Brown, who I thought had great training camp and preseason games for what they were able to put out. And the unfortunate totally. thing about it is, is that they were playing in positions where there's really not much flexibility with the chargers for crew who's currently slated to be on this roster that you can afford to continue to add at that position. So if we're talking about Carlo Kemp from the edge position, I know it would be nice to have, you know, maybe just an extra one outside of the four that you already have, but let's face it, Chris Rump and Thule have, definitely stepped up since since training camp and preseason have started and they have looked very, very well. So going into this season with Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Rump, and Tuli Tulipolotu, you feel a little bit more confident about that group than you did in years past. And from the cornerback position, I definitely agree with you on Cam. Um, it's, it, he, it was, he was one of your favorites starting off camp of names to watch he, he he was and i i really enjoyed watching him and he had a couple of practices where he looked very sharp i thought uh, especially the first preseason game and the way that he closed it out i thought he ended on a high note so both guys you probably have less of a shot i would think not to say that it's impossible you probably you probably have less of a shot to possibly sign carlo kemp back on the roster given how he performed so it would not surprise me if he gets snatched up by another team but would love to have him back uh on the practice squad as a res- in a reserve role if that is possible um cam brown though i think there may be a good shot that you may be able to get him back on the 16 player practice squad uh if he ends up passing through waivers i was gonna say so of that list the names that you would like to see if possible on the practice squad now again there's still lots of names that could be added to this list but of that group, I think both of us would agree. Carlo Kemp, I think Cam Brown. Are there any other guys on that list still available that you'd be down for? Read me the updated list again. Apologies. Uh, we got Hunter Camp Moyer, Tay mm-hmm. Crowder, mm-hmm. Carlo Kemp, mm-hmm. Nicholas Melsop. So three offensive linemen Nicholas Melsop, Matt Kasky, and Andrew Trainer. And then Keeman Hall, Cameron Brown, Larry Roundtree. Larry Roundtree is already with the Texans. Keeman Hall, I'd be interested to see what ends up happening just because now we really know that he ended up having surgery. So yeah, what his recovery time is, that's a huge question mark. I think from a standpoint of familiarity, if he ends up being healthy, uh, that the Chargers would sign him back. But given the timing in which all of this happens and the unpredictability of how long he's going to be out for, I'm not sure if you end up bringing him back. Hunter Campmore, given the question marks all around the tight end position, yeah, I'd say that that's a real possibility that he ends up on the practice squad for sure. And Andrew Trainer, uh, even though he kind of had an up and down preseason in certain points, I would still think reserve offensive lineman, you definitely bring him back on it as well. Yeah, and the other variable here is 31 other teams are going through this. So there right. will be some guys that look tempting coming from other rosters. So before we get into like putting all of our eggs in that basket of here the guys are going to keep there's going to be like 1500 players that are going to be available that were not available yesterday tomorrow at this time um the other name jake that is not on this chargers team as of today one of the battles that was talked about we just talked about it with jeff miller last week that we thought was over uh was now made official dustin hopkins traded to the Cleveland Browns for a 2025 seventh round pick. Chargers save, I think I saw about $2 million in cap savings on this. And Cameron Dicker is indeed the kicker for the Chargers team moving forward. Cameron Dicker wins the job. First of all, you have to give so much love to Jeff Miller because I think even he knew that the battle was won by Dicker, but leave it to him. <laughs> 
to tr- to make a case and and a pretty damn good one as well with his reasoning to still hold people in suspense and make us believe that that decision had not been done yet. <laughs> so uh, I think it was I think it was pretty evident during the time uh, during training camp when Dustin Hopkins was not out there practicing that he was nursing something happily for him that he was able to come back out there and resume kicking. Um, and ultimately, the Chargers end up getting a trade pulled off with the Cleveland Browns for a 2025 seventh round pick. And you can't help but feel good for Dustin Hopkins in one way or another. Even though he's not part of this team anymore, you just you go back to what he did for this team last year. And in that Denver Bronco game, where the offense was not so sharp, where it was literally a game that went to overtime that was won by field goals, albeit by an injured Dustin Hopkins to have that type of grit to go out there and make the kicks that he needed to in a very tough game that was up and down, back and forth, and definitely not some of the better moments from the Chargers offense last year. And you think about that, Dan, if they ended up losing that game, Mm. when it came down to the end of the season, what, what could that have have meant for the Chargers in the playoffs? That That Denver game could have mattered. So, the second Denver game could have mattered, I should say. Thank you. Yes, the second Denver game could have mattered. But it, it, it really is wild. And uh, for Dustin Hopkins, who definitely deserves a kicking opportunity, considering how good he's been over the last year and a start and a start and to come into a situation like Cleveland, where they had a bunch of question marks with their kicker. I'm glad to hear that Dustin Hopkins uh, is able to go to an opportunity where he could still play, play at a high level. Um, very, very happy for him. And obviously, you've got to be happy for everything that he did for the Chargers during the course of last year, especially in a greedy performance like he did in Denver last year. Yeah, that performance will not be forgotten by many Chargers fans. And just looking at like social media when the news broke about him being traded, like he got so much love. Like I don't remember the last time I saw a player that was released or traded away have that much admiration. Not that folks didn't want him to be the, not that folks were not okay with Cameron Dicker being the kicker, but fans were genuinely grateful for what uh, Dustin Hopkins did. And honestly, for, we both remember like just a few years ago, like how bad the kicking situation looked like for this team. And so he really kind of helped stabilize that position. And then of course, injury, which sucks, comes in, Cameron Dicker, the rest is history. Um, so that will do it for kind of what we know so far of roster construction and players released and brought in and traded away and all that jazz, which shout out to Telesco for getting a pick for him. <laughs> Easily could have just been released, but man, the kicking situation across the NFL is wild. I truly thought, Dan, I truly thought, especially, and this would have been just wild considering the fact that Tennessee didn't have a kicker and they had just released Michael Badgley. And just to think, oh, here they go. They're going to end up getting another Chargers kicker. (laughs) And, and hey, who knows? Maybe that was on the table. But maybe Telesco said, you know what? I would rather not have you play against us in week two this year. So I'm going to try to find someone else. Maybe that was what was taking place behind the scenes. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, So before we get to kind of the remaining bigger roster positions still out there, uh, bubble spots, uh, I think it's good for us to kind of snap the line and put a bow on. Real quick, Dan, real quick. As we as we mentioned, things come in during regular time. One of the big questions, Dan, was were the Chargers going to keep two or three quarterbacks on their roster? Oh, that means it's two. The Chargers have officially, according to Tom Pelissero on Twitter, have waived TCU quarterback Max Duggan. So Uh, the Chargers have made the decision to, as of this moment, we'll see what obviously happens with the practice squad if he's able to make it back on there. But as far as the active roster goes, the Chargers are keeping two quarterbacks. Well, again, we'll see (laughs) once we see other quarterbacks released and all that kind of stuff. But I I can't help but... Uh, think of our folk, our friends over at Locked On. Uh, they were very much, I should say they, I want to say it was David with Locked On Charges, was very much okay with us keeping two. Let's put it that way. 
And so the fact that they were able to keep two, at least let go of one for now, uh, I think he's happy. And honestly, given the performance that we've seen so far from Max Duggan, I can understand why they waived him. Uh, if the Chargers are left with him having to be the quarterback on this team, like, yeah, it's not going to look good, at least for this year. Um, so, Jake, three preseason games done. Chargers go two and one. Sometimes did look pretty on offense, specifically through the air, but on the ground looked great for most of the time. Uh, aside from when the Chargers, you know, twos and threes and fours are going up against the Niners ones, uh, it went about as expected as it should have gone. But overall, I think we it's good to have perspective of what we've seen and is it what we thought we'd see. I think the first part about three games that was very clear is the run game is going to be better. And we had talked about that for months, predicting that would be the case and predicting kind of why that would be the case. And then you see three games through, they go 250 plus in on the ground, two out of three weeks. Like I haven't seen, I haven't seen a Chargers team go that much in a preseason, like ever (laughs) running game looks good. Running game looks decisive, looks efficient. Uh, even when the other team knows that it's coming, nothing they could do. I think the Chargers had like an eleven play drive that was all runs. Ten of the eleven plays were all on the ground. Yes, uh, Chargers offense. If we're looking at run grade specifically, Jake's second best run grade according to PFF in the NFL this preseason, eighty six point eight grade. Not something you see every day. Ninth best run blocking grade. You would take that. You would take that. So huge, I think, takeaway storyline is the running game looks vastly different. Because we're talking last year, arguably the worst. Now, is it going to stay number two throughout the season? Probably not. But the fact that they could get to average, let alone second best, that's impressive. Yeah, and it's and we're not trying to put too much stock into the preseason here by saying these stats. But as Dan pointed out, this is the most rushing yards that the Chargers have been able to put up in a preseason during the Telesco era. And when you have a run game that's coming in, and especially off of what it was last year, good indication as far as any question marks going into this regular season to say like, okay, yeah, that needs to be fixed. You can definitely see the emphasis that has been put on improving this run game by Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley as it relates to this offense. Now, as Dan said, is it going to remain like that all season? Hell no. Not when you have number 10 at the quarterback position, but you can definitely get a sense that this is going to be a much more balanced offense to where Justin Herbert does not have to play Superman on every single down. You can wear out opposing defenses with your run game. I, I, and then if we're even just talking outside of us talking about the scheme and the blocking and what have you, the running back stable in general behind Austin Eckler has looked extremely impressive during the preseason game. So Joshua Kelly has improved. Isaiah Spiller has obviously had his good moments during the preseason. Elijah Dawson has his breakout game in week one of the preseason. Um, so it's some very encouraging signs that you see overall from this run game uh, as far as what's going to be emphasized moving forward. I thought it was a great um, bow to put on one of the best parts that we have seen from this Chargers team as it relates to the preseason goes. Yeah, I think they had a 12-point improvement year over year preseason-wise on a run grade, which you'll take that. Uh, Defense, Jake, this year, seventh in the preseason, according to PFF, in the entire NFL in defense. Run defense, seventh in the NFL. Tackling, 13th. Dare we say what it was last year? I'm kind of scared to do that. I don't even want to look. Um, Coverage grade, 10th. None of these. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> our bottom half. You'll no. take that. No. And and again, not to put too much emphasis into what takes place in the preseason, because you're obviously looking at a bunch of time with your twos and your threes. But if anything, the, if you're seeing your backups doing that, you could be sure that this has already been drilled into your number ones and your starters. So the fact that you have your backups playing this well this early in the season, it does give you a little bit better idea as far as how the Chargers could be from a depth standpoint. And as far as 
your rotation, who you may have behind them in terms of, God forbid, an injury should happen. So overall, it's there's there's some really good takeaways to to mark from this preseason, however much stock you want to put it into or not. Uh, there's some really good indicators here from the team overall. Yep. And then not to be forgotten. Special teams. Jake, Chargers special teams was one of the top two special teams in the entire NFL this year, and they're not two. Number one special teams grade in the entire NFL are nice your teams. Los Angeles Chargers with a nice, crisp 90.3 grade. Well, what are we living in? I can't feel my hands. Number <laughs> one special teams, Jake. Darius Davis. J.K. Scott. Coverage. Blocking. Ryan Fitkin. <laughs> Period. Next. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think what's what's exciting to see is uh that's a third a lot of people talk about like they're you know thirds of a game, offense, defense, special teams. Like a third of the team, or a third a third of what makes the team successful is excellent, like elite. Like and that's no hyperbole. Fantastic news. The things that we also don't know about, but I think we've seen through camp and preseason aggressiveness from a one Kellen Moore and creativity from Kellen Moore adjusting on the fly from Kellen Moore. I think you're seeing Brandon Staley and the defense and Derek Ansley in this defense. I think ratcheting things up. I think the tackling fundamental focus has shown through and one of the things I've seen, Jake, that I'm looking forward to seeing how that works throughout the season is the kind of the idea of like gang tackling. Yes. The amount of times that it just, see, you see it live, the swarm tackling that was not evident as much last year. It's there this year. Like your t- players are taught not to assume someone else is going to do it. Like you got to go in there just in case. Um, lots of, things that are playing into the Chargers' favor that I think Chargers fans are going to be very excited about. But the preseason, all in all, I thought was a tremendous success. Like There are obviously things that could be worked on. I think there are things that they can improve upon. There are roster construction questions and stuff that we have, but that's about as much as you'd like to see Chargers coming out of it very healthy. All star- Every single starter, Jake, came out of the preseason healthy, which that was the goal. And so I remember I tweeted this and someone said, oh, don't jinx it. I'm like, that's not a jinx. The goal was to get to week one healthy. And they did. I mean, I don't disagree with them. Don't jinx it. But still, <laughs> I, to your point, I get it. I get it. Yes. A um, lot of good things, as you had said, for the, pre- for the preseason for the Chargers. Not flawless by any means in terms of things that still need to work on. Dan, I would say if I was to sum it up in two words for what we saw during practices, what we saw during the preseason, it was aggressiveness and response. That's how I would put it. I felt like if you want to look at one of the weaker points of the of the preseason game for the Chargers, obviously you highlight the Saints game because there were a lot of issues that took place after what they were able to do for the against the Rams in week one. I thought they were a number of players responded very, very well in the final preseason game against the Niners. And just in terms of practices, when we're talking about this, just a day where the offense would win, a day where the defense would just come back and, and win the day. And these were the type of competitions that you want. You don't just want one unit completely obliterating the other on a day-to-day basis. There is some real com- competition that these players have on both sides of the ball. And in terms of what you can possibly put together, and Dan, I didn't even, I almost forgot to highlight this. I really like the fact that Brandon Staley let Derek Ansley call the defense in that final game, which gives me a little bit of thought to think, is it going to be just Brandon Staley's defensive input that's going to be on this? Because everything that we were led to believe when Derek Ansley took over for Ronaldo, he was like, oh, well, it's still going to be Brandon's defense. He's still going to call the plays, which I... Fully expect to happen. Mm-hmm. But do you think there could be a little bit more input Influence. on this? And yes. the Chargers weren't the only team that their head coaches let do this. Uh, Mike Vrabel was another one that allows some of his coordinators to call the, you know, 
certain parts of the game or even the entire game. Um, but I like this. I really like this because just from Brandon Staley's standpoint, again, I, I have been one of the harder critics on him in the past, but I fully believe that this is, this is a season where you look at the people that are surrounding him and the players that he has. And in terms of learning from prior mistakes, mistakes that he has personally owned himself, I think this is a great avenue to do it. I think his staff is the best that it's been, obviously, since he has been the head coach of this team. And I think there's a lot that he can learn from it. So I'm wondering, is there going to be a little bit of a DA input as it relates to the plays that are called on defense? Yes, I think so. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see... You know, I don't necessarily think that you're going to see Derek Ansley like, calling the plays on defense come back in the season, but I think he's going to have the ear of Brandon Staley. And I think that his influence will be much greater on Brandon Staley and on the players than what we saw these past few years. So, major storylines of camp preseason kind of out of the way. I think the last question really, and we'll find out here the next day or so, but uh, some of these kind of fringe roster battle discussions. I, I think it's important to kind of understand both sides. And I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you, Jake, and to listeners, viewers, is... You know, the, the idea of perspective and rationale on both sides of some of these discussions. So, for example, if we look at the tight end position, right, the options are, we know Camp Moore is no longer there. The options are either keep Trey McKitty and release Stone Smart or the opposite or keep both. I don't think there's a world in which they keep neither. So, I think the the discussion is should they keep McKitty or should they keep smart and why or both and what that means to the rest of the roster so I think Trey McKitty probably brings more I don't want to say brings maybe brings more potential from a pure block pure blocking perspective like I think there's probably more pure talent there from a pass blocking perspective as a tight end I think I think Stone Smart brings you a bit higher of a ceiling in playmaking ability. And I, he's not too shabby in pass blocking either. Now, can he get better? Sure. If it was me, I think I'm going Stone Smart over Trey McKitty. And given how he's performed over preseason and camp, there's nothing that tells me otherwise. You saw Trey You saw. So smart, excuse me, with some great plays and also some great blocks that let go of some of those big runs by the running backs uh, and throws. So do you, I guess maybe the question is like, as we get to the answer, regardless of that decision, do you think that they keep four? That's the first question. And the second question, if they did, is the fourth currently on the roster? I would say that the most likely scenario is they keep four. Now, do yeah, I, I like do, do, now, Hey, look, do I, do I fully agree with it? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm more so just bracing for it, bracing for it from what I know historically from this team in terms of what they have done, because really they have been searching for some stability out of, I'm not just talking about the starting tight end in this circumstance. I'm talking about this tight end group because you have lacked blocking in this group for so long. So, and I, and, and more of the reason that I'm thinking about it like this, Dan, is because in terms of your possibilities, at least as it stands right now, we'll obviously see how that transpires, you know, by the end of Tuesday goes, because when it comes to the 53 man roster, even though it's Tuesday, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's completely final. It could always be adjusted after the fact. Uh, but given what's out there right now, I'm not sure if there's anything that the chargers would currently pursue as it stands right now in terms of a better option for a blocking tight end. Yes, Trey McKitty, who you drafted, has unfortunately not been able to produce in the fashion that we would have thought that he was. Trey McKitty, who you drafted out of Georgia in 2020, was mainly known for his blocking skills. And a lot of people felt like, oh, well, he could have been used more as a receiver, but his 
lack of quarterback play that was there was something that held him back. And so you felt like, okay, this could be an opportunity to unlock another play skill of his that could develop in the NFL. And unfortunately that hasn't happened because he has been overshadowed by better play up until then. So what you drafted him for from a blocking standpoint still has not come to fruition as far as what you would like to have seen from him, even the fact that this is his third year in the league. And Dan, you were the one that asked it and you had said it. If it would he be one of a candidate that could be on the hot seat for these upcoming cuts? And I fully agreed with you. I fully agreed with you. I think Stone Smart has had some of the better moments as it relates to the preseason games that we have seen. Yes, I know that there's still a lot to be desired from him as a blocking option. Again, the Chargers, as it relates to their best blocking option, still as it stands today, is Donald Parham. Uh, So are you getting or losing anything between Stone Smart and Trey McKitty? At this point, I would say you gain a possible third receiving option at tight end because I don't know what Trey McKitty is as a receiving tight end at this point because we haven't seen it. And as a blocking tight end, it hasn't be at his the skill set has not been where it needs to be. So I still think that the Chargers, as we had talked about with Jeff Miller last week, that tight end in terms of going out and finding a blocking tight end goes, that that is still a position that is up in the air that the Chargers are keeping their ears to the ground for when it comes to releases from other teams. Totally, totally. And uh, the last thing I'll say on this before we go to the next position is if you are on the team as a blocking tight end, you better be a damn good blocking tight end. And I know Trey McKitty does bring some special teams value, which that's, I think, the only thing that he's holding on to at this point, in my opinion. He's got to be a better blocker. Like, just period. He's got to be. Uh, next one. Let's go through these kind of quickly here as we wrap up. Uh, we got the running back four conversation. I don't think there's any question who the three are. Is there any reason that you have for the Chargers to keep four, i.e. Elijah Dotson makes a roster? No, and, uh, and I totally get why anybody would want to keep Elijah Dotson after that game. And he kind of, and definitely the, the running game in general for the Chargers came back down to earth in, in that game against the Saints. Um, and he finished on a high note, even in the limited amount of playing time that he had against the Niners. But I, I get the risk reward factor here. You know, a talent like that, you never want to give other teams an opportunity to snatch him up. Um, so that's why you would possibly make a case of keeping him on the 53, but to keep a running back four on a 53 man roster over a, what a wide receiver six or a, a corner five, a safety five, hell, even a potential linebacker five, six, because we, I still believe that they'll keep, end up keeping five linebackers or even more. So maybe more, uh, more determining for it. How about interior defensive lineman? Would you want to keep Elijah Dodson over one of the potential guys in the interior defensive line vying for a roster spot right now? And in my, in my personal opinion, the interior defensive line outweighs the, the running back four conversation by a landslide. That's not even an argument to me considering what the chargers were, where the chargers were at last year and the bodies that they need. There's no question to that. I get it. I like Elijah Dotson as much as the next guy. But to keep four running backs on the roster just doesn't seem practical for this team and where you need the most help. Wide receiver six, which we didn't actually talk about earlier in this uh, discussion, but we'll talk about it now. Uh, Report came out that Jalen Guyton will be on the PUP list, which means the first four games he will not be able to play, which then opens the door for the wide receiver six discussion to be either John Hightower Keelan Doss, neither <laughs> or other. But for this conversation, let's just keep it at those two. Um, I have been on the John Hightower train. Probably been one of the conductors. I, you're not alone. I'm sure a lot of people were on the John Hightower train throughout training camp. Uh, now, there are layers to this, but I think at face value, as a wide receiver option solely, John Hightower, to me, provides more upside and more possibility for a greater and bigger impact on this team. While Keelan Doss has been more consistent in preseason, especially, 
I think that role is a bit redundant in terms of what the Chargers already have on the receiving squad. Now, if you factor in special teams, he brings a little bit more value. Special teams unit, I think, is going to be great regardless. John Hightower also fills the role of a Jalen Guyton downfield speed threat more than Keelan Doss does. Now, oftentimes teams play chess, not checkers. And so I started thinking about this and Keelan Doss has tape out there from preseason. Looked very consistent. And there are a lot of teams who could use that type of wide receiver on their roster. John Hightower has been largely MIA and there are many reasons for that, but we'll skip the details on this one. So which, and I'll ask you Jake, which one of those receivers do you think has the better chance of clearing waivers if they were cut between Hightower and Doss? If they were cut, I would say I would probably lean towards Hightower. I would. I would. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could still end up stashing him on, on the practice squad. Like it's been reported when, he got injured during that one practice. Everybody's basically said that he has not been the same in terms of, you know, getting open, running routes, obviously catching the ball, not all his fault. It's definitely in the games that he was able to play. I, I contributed that more to the quarterback play that was being displayed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get it. He, he was looking extremely sharp at the beginning of training camp and it looked like it was his job to lose. And unfortunately, I think he got, surpassed by Keelan Doss, who produced in the preseason. In week one, he was one of the most targeted wide receivers of that entire group when Easton Stick was out there. Yeah, if you're going by production, if you're going by production, he won. Mm -hmm. So I I get the I get the like psychology that you're trying to do here, Dan, in terms of saying like, well, you know, Keelan Doss performed better in the preseason games. The tape's out there more. You know, there is there a better chance that he may get yeah. picked up for somebody else? Which I get that. So if you're posing that question to me, I would probably say it's it could be Keelan Doss. But again, you put your Chargers hat on, as I know you are, in terms of the overall fit that you're talking about with Hightower, especially from the speed aspect. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? Because I'll, I'll tell you this. It, it, I'm sure that solely just the Chargers fan base. We're not the only ones that were paying attention to preseason practice reports. <laughs> sure, and Twitter, and Twitter videos. For sure. But I think, I, I think, regardless, it's kind of like risk management. Like, at the end of the day, there is a, there is a path in which they can have both. And all this is moot. How about which this? One I, you, which one would you risk losing more? Like, which one's the... I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I, I will stand on that hill that I think John Hightower provides more value to this Chargers team. I don't necessarily know if that means that he will make the 53 because of the algebra that they and other teams are doing with roster construction and possibly bringing him back. I don't know. How about I, don't know. I'll how, about I, how about I pose this question to you, Dan? And maybe I say that just because you took a look at two positions that weeks ago we were probably figuring was a shoe-in or at least a good percentage of a shoe-in. Chargers keeping wide receiver six, we thought it was a very, would be a very high possibility. I think a lot of people also thought that it was a high possibility that they would be keeping three quarterbacks after the Chargers selected Max Duggan in the seventh round of this year's draft to pair with Easton Stick as far as your backups goes. Well, obviously, moments ago, one of those proved to be wrong. So going off of that, what would be the chances that the Chargers don't even keep a six wide receiver now. And I, and I simply say that oh, don't you just put for, that out there. Don't you I'm, put that out there. I'm not saying I Ricky agree Bobby. with it. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I agree with it. But no, no, I know, but you're about, to, you, you're about to ignite the charges. Fans. Sometimes <laughs> when you expect chaos, it doesn't hit so bad. And, and look, I'm only saying this. If this was the Chargers wide receiver core a year ago, completely different story. But from what you've seen from Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, especially Josh Palmer stepping up, Quentin Johnston, and the emergence of Darius Davis, could the Chargers feel comfortable enough from a standpoint to say, look, we'll keep five wide receivers for now until the point where Jalen Guyton can return. And when he does, and I'm I'm strictly saying this to 
reinforce your roster at another spot. Right. So now, the, yeah. Again, not that I agree with it, but would the Chargers do something like that and throw so, a curveball at the 11th hour? They could, but I think Max Duggan not being on the team, I think opens the possibility to yes. having six for sure and opens up another spot somewhere else that otherwise wouldn't be there. Like if they kept three quarterbacks, like right now, I think a lot of people with kind of the 53-man roster predictions, a lot of them are wrong because I think probably people had some, a lot of people, some people had Max Duggan on the roster. So the question becomes like, what would you rather have? Like wide receiver six or, you know, DB 11 or IDL seven. Mm-hmm. or tight end four or RB four. Like that, that's kind of where all those go. Um, next one. Safety is a different one. I think right now you saw Cam Brown release. Taiwan Mullen is available at corner. Mark Webb safety. I think Raheem Lane safe. It seems those are the two that are vying for this last spot in the DB room. Taiwan Mullen, Mark Webb. State your case either way. Why would you choose one and then why would you choose the other? I would probably have to side with Mark Webb. And again, the biggest issue for Mark Webb that has kept him out of playing time has been health for him the last couple of years. When the Chargers selected him late a couple of years back, a lot of people saw that as actually like, this could be one of those late round steals just because of the standpoint that Mark Webb has a versatile skill set that he could play a lot of different positions in the secondary. So you have someone like him to where here's a guy from Georgia who played all over the secondary during his college career, has experience there. And when he has been healthy this season, thankfully for him, uh, after his little injury scare, it was nothing serious and he was already back playing. But Daniel Popper predicted it. And I kind of, not to say that it hasn't come to fruition yet, but his prediction was that the Chargers were keeping five safeties Derwin James, Alohi, Gilman, JT, Woods, Raheem Lane, and Mark Webb. And I think that's the best option to go with. I, I really do. I really do. I understand that, that Mullen has, has flashed at certain points and, and looked very good. But from the standpoint that health has been the biggest reason that has kept Mark Webb away from this team. But you already know how much Brandon Staley loves Mark Webb on this team. He has been very outspoken about him in previous years. And I think that you feel better from the standpoint of having a safety group like that, especially when there have been depth questions all throughout the offseason with this team. So having familiarity in this defensive system, a guy who has performed well when he's healthy, and now that he is, how, can you, how could you release him after that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I like Taiwan Mullen, though. I get it. I really like him. I, but I think he could be... I think Taiwan Mullen could also be a great practice squad candidate. I would love it if they could bring him back in the practice squad. Uh, I I guess I'm probably leaning more towards Mark Webb as well, purely because I think he brings more to the safety room. And if you look at the five... like. Look at the five corners that the Chargers could have ending with Dean Leonard as the fifth. Like, that's a pretty dang good five deep room. Four deep safety, your number four would be either JT Woods or Raheem Lane, probably Raheem Lane. But, like, who you don't know. I'd rather have another guy there for versatility for another guy to have just in case. Um, talk about tight end, talk about receiver, talked about. Corner safety, I guess the last one really is interior defensive line. I think the name that people are looking for, myself specifically, uh, Gerard Clark, as much as I want him on the team, I think you heard Brandon Taylor talk about Nick Williams very positively in one of the recent press conferences. Um, Gerard Clark might be on the outside looking in and might be a practice squad guy, but that See, that's the one guy from a UDFA perspective that if he becomes, if he gets waived, he was a pretty highly coveted UDFA that the Chargers got. Yes. And given the sides, given the profile, given his archetype, given kind of his presence, given how he played in the preseason games, 
a lot of teams could use that. So like that, what like for example, like would I rather have the fourth tight end, the third quarterback, or an extra defensive line? No question. Like not. It's not even a. That's so easy. I would even go as far as would I rather have the eleventh DB or the defensive line? Defensive line all day, especially that one. So I'm really curious to see that one. The names I'm bracing for, to kind of wrap this up, the names I'm bracing for, and it, they bring me angst for different reasons. But John Hightower, which we talked about. Gerard Clark, which you talked about. Taiwan Mullen, which you talked about. And Stone Smart. Those are the four names that I am looking at that I think are going to be in the group of, like, I know, I know not all of them are going to make it. But any one of those four names come up between now and tomorrow that are released, it's going to hurt. And then I'm just going to have to be sitting there crossing fingers that no other team takes them. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this plenty of times before, Dan, as you had talked about when we started preseason in terms of getting excited over certain performances that came with the problem with the Chargers is that they ended up having a lot of good, (laughs) a lot of guys perform during the great problem. Great problem. Circling back to Gerard, Gerard Clark for a second, obviously, was one of my preseason favorites as we were heading into training camp. And when you, we said it, when it came down to the final cuts for this defensive line, as far as what the roster was going to look like at that position, it was going to be tough to figure that out. We have not heard any word yet on, but it's obviously been assumed that by now with 10 days to start before the, <laughs> the first game of the season, that Tito Albany was starting on the pup list. So your defensive line as it stands right now, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, Austin Johnson, Scott Matlock, Nick Williams. I would say it was tough because of the way that you watched Christopher Hinton and David Moa battle and they both had good moments. I'd probably give Christopher Hinton the edge there. But then that leads out Gerard Clark. And it's really tough because that's six defensive line that you'd say, okay, those are the ones that are, that's how this roster is going to look like until Tito comes back. Is there an argument to be made that the Chargers could keep seven? Uh, Yeah, I'd say it's probably one of the best arguments that you could have for that because Gerard Clark not only has shown what he can do in the running game, but he has shown some pass rush (laughs) abilities as well for a guy that's his size. That's just ridiculous because he was in... Go through the names again. It was... Sebastian Joseph Day, One, Austin Johnson, two, Morgan Fox, Scott three, Matlock, four. Christopher Hinton, and Nick Williams. The Nick Williams signing to me was, that was kind of a game changer. Because before he was on the roster, I think we could have penciled in the idea that Gerard Clark had a very, very good shot of making the 53-man roster. Yeah, When Nick Williams signed that contract, uh, and as you had mentioned, Dan, as much as Coach Staley had talked about him, that was kind of an that was a little bit of an indicator, but again, I I don't know that they could have foreseen that Gerard Clark was going to perform as well as he did in those preseason games. I think it's so, between I think it's between Hinton and Clark. I think that's where it's going to come down to. I, which like I don't like that. I it's it's tough, man. It's tough. I I hate predicting this position specifically because there is a lot of guys on here with talent, even guys that I didn't even name off. In, in that group of seven right there. And I, I say that just from the standpoint of obviously what the Chargers went through last year in run defense. And I definitely think that they're, they're going to be better regardless of who they end up having on their roster in terms of this group, but just in general. To get pressure and that type of run defense from the interior and call me a traditional, but I personally like my defensive lineman to be the old school Jamal Williams, 6'5", 300 plus <laughs> pounders. And that fits the bill for Gerard Clark. So to your to your point, Dan, and maybe it's a little bit of, it's kind of like a Brandon Fajoko situation all over again, where you see a guy perform that well in a preseason and you want him to make the roster. And I, I get it. I get it. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I would say his chances of, 
unseating any one of those other guys and getting a part of that defensive line group, I would say, I would say lie somewhere between 20 and 10%, maybe right now, not, not the best, but Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe fortune will smile on this Chargers organization again. And Gerard Clark may make it through waivers and not get claimed. So everything that I could be saying could be completely pointless, but (laughs) who knows? Well, uh, went long today, but I think wanted to kind of recap and bring us up to speed on all the things. Um, so key takeaways, Guyton on the PUP, Max Duggan was released. Very tough decisions upcoming. Chargers preseason gave lots of things to smile about. And damn, are we excited to finally have real football on the horizon. Uh, fun episode tomorrow, Jake. Special guest incoming. Yes. Friend of the show. Excited for that one. Anything else? Want to tell the great friends before we head on out of here? Everyone, do not forget because there may not be NFL this season, but we have an event going on. Or excuse me, I, I just said there may not be NFL this season. I meant to say this weekend. weekend. Wow. I like pretty much just everybody's like, what are you talking about? There's ah. no NFL this season. Not like that. There may not be NFL this weekend, but we have an event going on this weekend, as we have been talking about for the last several weeks. The Bolt Show, one of the biggest Chargers signings that has ever taken place uh, for a public event in who knows? I, I can't remember one being this big. Dan, correct me. It's 11 players that are going to be in Anaheim. Number, but it's something crazy. I think it's 11 players that are going to be in Anaheim this Saturday. Um, if you have not seen it, uh, either follow our Twitter, look up Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia, who's hosting the event. Uh, it goes from 10 to 6 this upcoming Saturday. A lot of different opportunities for you to get a lot of signatures. You do not even have to be in the Anaheim area. You can actually send, um, is it any memorabilia, Dan? Yeah. You can actually mail send in. in. Yep. Yeah, so you can mail uh, footballs, helmets, whatever it is that it may be um, that you can mail in for signatures. But Dan and I will be there live doing a live show uh, this Saturday in Anaheim. So we're very stoked about that. So even though there's no football this weekend, definitely reason to get excited and I'm, ex- I'm stoked to see the players and the fan base that is going to be in attendance because it should be a amazing show. So if you've got nothing better to do on Saturday, get your ass down to Anaheim. Yes. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., Tuli Tupelo, to Mike Williams, Mike, sorry, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnson, uh, the lightning bug himself, Darren Sproles, Isaiah Spiller, Eric Kendricks, Tito Ogbania, Corey Legit. And Max Duggan was scheduled to be there, but I'm wondering if that's not happening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? S- Little birdie, S- my ten. <laughs> ten. Ten. Excuse me. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, come out, hang out. We'll be there. Uh, fun giveaways coming out as well for that one. Uh, for Jake Hefner, Dan Wilkenstein, Chargers Unleashed, and LA Football Network. Thank you guys, gals, so much for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time on the next Chargers Unleashed. <laughs>